So, I thought uh, just for Saturday night we should have a little uh, humor to start with, and this is actually from a recently from the New Yorker. And uh, there's a, a couple sitting in front of those, uh, you know, big uh, flat screen TVs. Uh, this week, quote, The Amazing Race to Enlightenment. Can Jim and Susie achieve right mindfulness? And will Barb and Candy be eliminated for restless clinging to the self? You know, I've, I've, I was thinking, oh, I've been around this scene for 43 years, and a lot of change has happened. <laughs> wow. You never would have guessed. So, uh, in more uh, kind of serious note here, um, possibly, we'll see here. Uh, in my uh, kind of... Uh, way or tradition that I um, kind of set these talks up is I write a poem for you. And uh, that poem somehow reflects uh, somewhat uh, what I would like to convey. And it has a lot to do actually with Donald said, I sort of let my thoughts organize themselves. And uh, really, uh, the practice is to just to put the attention uh, in the, you know, in the belly and allow the heart to just, uh, you know, uh, know. And for uh, that that we know to self-organize. So uh, that's uh, really the way uh, we can um, rest uh, as not listening to a talk in a sense, but actually practicing our practice and allowing the hearing to be there but not to simply uh, get lost in some way, but actually to uh, allow it to remind us to come back and stay. Uh, And really, uh, this practice is is based on the simplicity uh, of um, remembering and returning. And as Sharda was talking about last night, uh, kind of refuge and uh, the simplicity that uh, Gil was uh, referring to is the fact that um, you know, there's really just one thing here. And uh, the rest is, uh, there's a word, uh, papancha, mental proliferation, that we're making up the 10,000 worlds. So, poem, clear path. And I would like to, uh, this is dedicated to the the two, uh, I think when we first got here, there were two white herons that had been here for a while that um, just, uh, I was wondering where the, all the water was, but there is a lot of water. But uh, So this is, in a sense, dedicated to them. It's just called Clear Path. The white heron, standing, standing so still, dignity of posture, So like the yogis in our own hall, knowing somehow to draw ourselves back, back into the center of safety. 
consumed solely by the center of our own flames. Burning of the old, the old stories, wishes, fears, desires. Your own voice calling to yourself, only heard by yourself. Back, back from the brink of the remembering to this place where the white heron stands. Breath, breathing you. Untouched by a shredded past. An uncomprehensible future. Resting like the white heron, only the dignity of the posture remains. blessed by the faculty of our senses, knowing somehow there is no other world than this, simply this. There is a small point, infinitesimal point, where the worlds divide. One road leading back, back into the flames of becoming. This voice speaking too quickly, desperately searching through the crowded years where life's hopes and fears can be played in this game of winning and probably losing, grasping tightly, capturing, imprisoning, keeping it all of the time. And there's the other path, the old path, caught in the miracles of ordinariness, bewilderment, the price of the sand slipping through our fingers, knowing somehow that you have to surrender, leaving behind the hopes and fears in this grasping, resting nowhere, falling on your knees, knowing somehow that the heart knows its way from here on, knowing somehow that the heart knows its way from here on, So tonight, uh, I would like to explore with you uh, what is known uh, as somewhat the complexity, but also I hope to make it somewhat simple, uh, is known as um, dependent origination or dependent co-arising, or actually I've heard it codependent, no, codependent... (laughs) arising, actually. I know, um, oh, maybe 40 years ago now, I came out of a month-long retreat in India, and um, I um, 
decided that I hadn't had enough yet. So uh, there, this was in Dalhousie, India, up in the Himalayas, and about 8,000 feet, and it was uh, September. And the mayor of the town said, oh, I have a, a little cabin you can go and sit in. So I went to ask my teacher, well, you know, what do I do? You know, so he said, oh, well, you have to study this samyopada, this dependent origination, this dependent co-arising. So I got this little book. In those days, there wasn't a whole lot of info. Uh, and it was um, you know, a little book, maybe 30 pages, which was um, lists. You know, and uh, this, I, I was living, I got these two meals a day they brought to the door where I was staying, and there was uh, windows on each side of the room. I stayed in the room for 10 days. Uh, really, I thought mulling over this, but actually it was non-understanding this. <laughs> you know. Certain way, certain way, minds work. So, uh, but one thing was so was uh, on one side there was windows on on two sides in this one door, and and one looked out into the forest, uh, the pine forest of Dalhousie, and uh, the other uh, looked out on the white caps of the Himalayas. But there were bars on the windows, you know, like a jail. And the thing was, it was practical. Uh, uh, couple of years before that, I'd been living in, in uh, Kathmandu, uh, which I've spent many years uh, living there, and, and uh, had a house out was known as the P- Monkey Temple. And uh, you had to have bars because uh, the monkeys would come and invade your house, which they uh, seemed to have a little tour and see if they couldn't pick up on some goodies. So uh, truly the uh, teachers of uh, dependent origination and um, so there were these bars that um, uh, um, made me recognize on some level something about dependent origination. Okay. Now, one of the things is my mind doesn't work in order. Uh, so uh, I do think in pictures and poetry and, and kind of the collage of uh, mind and words. So what I'd like to do tonight is, in the sense of framing uh, this, um, the Buddha spoke of this as if you understand these teachings, you understand the Buddha. Okay? That if you understand dependent origination or dependent co-arising, you understand my teachings. Very profound. So if you don't get it, it's okay. Okay, But I'll try to frame it in some way that helps, in a sense, of give you some sense of uh, these, are, uh, these links, which are uh, 12 links that are all, in a sense, uh, they are uh, what right now is arising. And the first of these seven are based on the fact that it is the past. 
there is, like in my poem, there is this infinitesimal moment. And that moment, uh, we could call the here or the present. And then there is uh, really uh, two paths. Uh, the path which uh, recreates this uh, co-arising where uh, we keep going over and over and over in creating the same conditions and patterns uh, that hold us uh, in the fundamentals of ignorance. So I'd like to just simply describe these and then I'll sort of uh, play with them. You know, juggle them or something. But it starts simply, uh, if I can go through them and then maybe uh, then I'll, I'll break them apart. Uh, it begins with the fact that uh, where there's ignorance. So the first is ignorance. And when there's ignorance, there is what uh, is uh, known as fabrication or uh, karmic formations, which I'll have to tease out but we'll just use that word karmic formations or fabrication. And that, that if, if fabrication is there, this, these karmic formations, then there's a name and form or a, a, a body and a mind, a nama rupa, that's there. And if that uh, mind and body is there, uh, then uh, there are uh, what we know uh, as the six senses. And if the six senses are there, uh, then um, uh, there is uh, contact. And if there is contact, there is feeling. And if there is feeling, there is grasping. And if there is grasping, there's clinging. If there's clinging, there's becoming. And there's becoming, there is birth. And if there is birth, what is the consequence of birth? Is old age, illness, and death. And therefore, the wheel starts over again as ignorance. And it spins again and again and again. And that is the wheel of dependent arising, which holds us in captivity. Uh, through unconsciousness, non-awareness, and that we simply repeat the patterns over and over again. So what I'd like to do, because uh, obviously there's a lot to this, is to go through the description, uh, which really comes from uh, the uh, Tibetan paintings of the Wheel of Life, and just to describe uh, the pictorial experience of this, you know. So first of all, there's ignorance. Ignorance is seen as um, um, an old woman with a cane. And she's being led, and she's blind. And she's being led by a five-year-old innocence. And that where she is, is she's in a land where the river is black. And the trees, all of the 
the uh, leaves and the uh, kind of the pine, these pine trees, the spines have uh, all fallen off. Why? Because they have been poisoned. You know, so ignorance has this truth that, that it, it poisons its own world. You know, and that uh, uh, this, uh, the, the old woman is actually led by innocence. You know, there's kind of an innocence there in, in um, the human condition. No, it's just the way it is on some level. The uh, primal uh, forces uh, that, um, you know, uh, arise. Now, the first of these seven arise simultaneously. It means if ignorance exists, therefore these others also arise simultaneously. So the first of these is known as uh, karmic formations or fabrications. And there you have uh, actually a potter. And the potter uh, is sitting uh, in the center throwing a pot. And on one side, there are broken pots. And the other side, they're perfect pots. Okay, you get it? You know, we are this kind of mix between uh, our past, which uh, has... What, complications? I'm being nice. Uh, broken pots, you know? And the other side, you know, there is the, in the sense, the kind of the good deeds, the things that uh, have inspired and been good and, and hold us. And we are a mix of these things, you know? So we get kind of the truth of, of formation, you know? That's what we are, you know? Uh, this fabrication, these karmic formations. So, but once you have these karmic formations, then you have what is known as the nama rupa, or the uh, body-mind, or uh, uh, this form, and uh, you could say this uh, knowing that's there. And that uh, what we're talking about here uh, in that is the fact that it is a uh, it comes from past conditioning, you know. So we are a product of past conditioning. It's all, in a sense from this viewpoint what the Buddha was trying to teach is we are. Sim- it's a very complex thing, but in the simplicity of it, it is just uh, that we are these you know habit patterns and these bodies which are um, you know really basically uh, we carry the genetic truths of our ancestors. Uh, we also, um, you know, we went to certain uh, schools and uh, lived in certain neighborhoods and there was longitude and latitude and the kind of weather and the food we ate, uh, uh, which was all part of this uh, calculation, you know, this karmic formation. You know? So there is a body and there is a mind. Now, if there is a body and a mind, uh, there are the senses. And uh, the, in the body and mind, it's always uh, seen as a boat. And the boat has uh, uh, two people. Uh, one person, which they say is the body, is rowing the boat. You know. And the other 
uh, has a rudder and is the mind, and it is guiding the boat. So they are in, but they're in the same boat, to say. We're in the same boat. But it is body-mind. And once that body-mind uh, is there, then there are uh, what we know as the six senses, and that's our five senses and our mind. And in the tradition, uh, they actually show a building. And the building has five windows and a door. And the five windows are uh, actually our five senses where our experience um, makes contact from the mind-body to the world we know. And then there's the mind, and I always think of the mind as kind of a, uh, what do you call it, has hinges that go both ways. You know, it sort of swings in and out, you know, uh, since it is such an elusive thing called um, the mind, as you have well noticed, you know. So we have then at this point, uh, we have these six senses, and if the six senses are there, then uh, there is contact with any of these. And I, did, I, I realize I did miss a piece here, uh, which, has, which is very important, actually, which is uh, once there's karmic formations, there is actually uh, what can be known as consciousness or um, awareness or, in the sense, the factor. Uh, there's a factor that knows. And that factor, when we have contact, is the consciousness and one of those six, six sense doors they touch and arise. And so when, we have the, when the ignorance is there, then there is the fabrication um, that happens and the, the kind of uh, what the history, the karmic reality uh, that is still perpetuating itself and that it uh, becomes then, um, uh, then and, and consciousness is, is interesting because they, they have a monkey, you know, and the monkey actually uh, arises uh, and uh, is jumping from object to object. So in the picture, it is a monkey jumping from a tree to tree. And I think you can get this pretty quickly. It's just this constant jumping that's going on from object to object. And so we get to the sense doors. And we can see that in, you know, I don't know how many moments uh, that consciousness in a sense door uh, actually stay. Five, ten moments, and then it jumps to another one, and then to another one. It's this constant uh, uh, leaping that's going on. Now, at the point where the contact is made, this is now the this is the seventh of these. So we have ignorance, we have the fabrication or the karmic formations, we have consciousness, we have the mind body, we have um, I keep these in order. Six senses, uh, the uh, then there's contact, and in contact, then there's feeling. And feeling, in some ways, is simple in consciousness because feeling, 
the word is vedna. There is pleasant, there's unpleasant, or not knowing, the neutral, you know, non-awareness. So uh, this is what's happening, the simplicity at that moment. Now, this is the most important. I'll come back to this, but I want to complete kind of the, the 12 here. So we have this place, this place, the seventh, and that they talk about this as all arising, that's uh, the past. It, it, it rises instantaneously in this moment. You appear out of nowhere, out of causes and conditions. Okay? Out of causes and conditions, you arise. Now, also, what's quite complicated right now is there are two things that are happening. There's the past. And the past uh, is uh, our patterns and formations, uh, our fabrications that uh, are, in essence, um, this very individual movement that's happening. Quite specific. And that's the past. That's that whole, the first seven. It's actually touching what? Here, right here, right now. You know. So, what happens right here? You know. What can happen is um, the pleasantness comes up or the unpleasantness. And, uh, oh, I don't like that. That's uncomfortable. I'm, I'm you know, going to push that away. No. Not enough. No. Or there's a pleasant sensation that comes along and it lasts for, you know, they only last for so many moments anyway. And it's there, and there is this incredible, like, wow, I want to keep this. You know, and there's this whole kind of, oh, oh, if I can grasp it, and then maybe I can imprison it and, you know, Keep it for a while. You know, stop the flow of experience. Stop the river. You know? You think so? You know? That's a tough one, you know. If you think you can. So suddenly there is this pleasantness or this unpleasant, and we grasp, you know. And in the kind of pictorial piece of this, is that uh, when the uh, contact is made, which in the contact actually in the pictorial view of it, uh, uh, this is from a Tibetan painting anyway, um, it's an arrow uh, in an eye. So how sensitive uh, that contact can be, you know, and also how overt. It is. Right. So there is that contact that's made. And at that moment, then the pleasantness or unpleasantness becomes attractive to either push it away or to grab a hold of it. And suddenly there is grasping. And in the pictorial view of grasping, there's someone sitting down with a, a big kind of jar of chong, which is a kind of Tibetan beer. And, uh, you know, uh, okay, you can get it. You know, it's sort of a a primary view of this. But, uh, you know, it's someone who, um, 
you know, um, uh, is caught up in the craving and the grasping. You know, and once that craving, uh, you know, in essence, is kind of um, latched onto or held onto, then uh, the next picture in this uh, circle is uh, of a um, person up in a tree. And it could be, you know, let's use apple, you know. And uh, there are baskets. And the baskets are already full, okay? The baskets are already full. But there is clinging. And the clinging means that we're grasping more and trying, we've already filled them up. You know, the craving already kind of filled them. Now there's, let's get more. And, you know, what's that? More. You know, just plain old more. You know? And once that more is there, and we've gone from craving to clinging, then we come to this place. Uh, the, the, the language is becoming. You know, and becoming is actually uh, the pictorial of it is a pregnant woman. That suddenly, through our uh, our action, our thought, that we have suddenly now brought to fruition uh, this becoming. And I have to backtrack again because I keep trying. It's always a trip to kind of picture this out, and that has to do with contact. And uh, that contact um, um, is usually uh, two people uh, making love. You know, the contact itself that happens. So this is, in that sense, the result of that uh, is the becoming. And becoming is a very uh, kind of interesting place because uh, it also uh, a place where we can begin to see the results uh, of this craving and clinging. And so it's actually a really important point where in part of our practice, uh, when we have... um, experienced or seen the, that kind of uh, grasping, that there's an intelligence that kind of knows that we're still on the wheel and there's a becoming going on. And uh, we're still caught on this wheel of dependent co-arising. You know. And so once that becoming's there, then the result of the craving, clinging, becoming uh, is uh, actually a child being born, birth. You know, that wherever that has taken root, then these are the consequences, these are the results of that dependent. Uh, origination, dependent co-arising.
And at that moment, then, of course, once there's birth, which is sort of the 11th in this 12th piece, if there's birth, then there is... So they have usually... Uh, there's a, a woman giving birth to a child. And then the next one, um, there's kind of a graphic picture. And the graphic picture is uh, of... Um, Uh, typical um, is uh, a body that's uh, j- that's almost just bones in a bag that's being carried. So that this is the consequences, the result of our um, the cyclic piece. So this is the description I wanted to give, a pictorial description of uh, how this works. Now there are some, there's many complexities in this, and I, you know, uh, can't get into all of them because I don't know them all. Okay, what I do know is that uh, this piece around karma, you know, that uh, we are uh, the product. Uh, of the past. But what is so fascinating about the product of the past and the complexity of this, it's not a simple thing because we also have this jar, this mix called the present. So we come here to a retreat and uh, we bring in uh, all of our baggage, you know, we're dragging this big kind of thing of stuff that's uh, full of all of our beliefs and ideas and our kind of uh, our body stuff and our capacity for concentration or um, remembering or all that stuff. It all comes in in a package here. You know. Then you come and you sit down. And certainly these first seven are are immediately a present. That's the past. So here you are. Now, what's happening here is, is incredible, it's phenomenal, is that in the moment that we bring this past to present, and we've come here her purpose, you know. One road, okay, leading back, back into the flames of becoming. This voice speaking too quickly, desperately searching through the crowded years where life's hopes, fears, can be played in this game of winning and probably losing, grasping, tightly capturing, imprisoning, keeping it all. Time. Time. And then there is another path, an old path. Caught in the miracle of ordinariness, where the past and present can mix. And this present 
is a unique presence. The price of the sand slipping through the fingers, knowing somehow that you have to surrender, knowing somehow that you have to surrender, leaving behind the hopes and fears in this grasping, resting nowhere. falling on your knees, knowing somehow that the heart knows its way from here on. Somehow the heart knows its way from here on. And so this unique truth is we have come together with this um, history and and this repetition and how we keep uh, getting caught over and over again. And that every time that that grasping and clinging happens, then we uh, start it over again. You know, but then there is this little point, this small infinitesimal point, uh, which is actually where this word vedna, this word feeling, where with this mindfulness, this capacity to be awake, to the pressure of the past, the pressure of this mind, the pressure of this history, the pressure of these stories, this kind of um, self-manufacturing of who you think you are and how it is. Where is that? You know, there are moments here where we forget to study the self is to know the self. To know the self is to forget the self. And so we come and first there's this intensity of who is it that's doing this? Is this watcher? Kind of, we kind of get all caught up in, in the, uh, the dualistic aspect of that there is that that's watching this. And we're kind of going, ooh, wow, boy, that is strong. You know? And every place we turn, guess who's there? You know, the watcher, you know? And so we come here actually to, in a sense, it's like inflate the watcher, you know? So the mindfulness actually is not in its simplicity. It's actually uh, um, heightening this dualistic aspect of, of the moment where uh, the contact is made. And that contact suddenly, oh my goodness, you know, I can really see uh, how the experience of getting caught, you know, and how strong this uh, kind of watcher that I can't seem to escape, but is here magnified 10 times, you know, can't run away from it. There it is, you know, and in its nature, uh, it seems um, to be caught by itself. You know? And so to look at it means that at some point we're going to have to get, by the way, tired of the watcher. You know? And the watcher, sometimes we can use it, oh, the seeker. 
that's the one that you know is looking. The only there's a problem here. You know, we have to actually mind full of the moment has no seeker in it and no watcher. You know, and so there has to be this surrendering that goes on about, yes, I know that. And that sort of makes me uh, hyper aware, hyper conscious. And, and uh, you know, I'm, sometimes I'm even more judgmental on myself because I see how complex I am and the stories I've manufactured and the fabrication. And so we're here exploring this. We're letting it be known to us to uh, give um, awareness, waking uh, to that that knows or that that is aware. And we think somehow we can out-trick it you know, maybe if I work really hard, you know, I'm going to do this just right. You know, the problem is there's no right here. You know, there's no right practice. All there really is, is a surrender. And that surrender begins to understand that what is happening from the past is mixing with the present. And all of us here together as as uh, Sharda was talking about the kind of this refuge of the Sangha together that's uh, actually raising the uh, energetic field of knowing of that consciousness and the objects that arise in it. And we settle ourselves and find some steadiness to recognize, first of all, you know, this is not a fixed thing. You know, I spent, uh, this was about four years ago or three years ago, I was in Dharamsala and I was, um, this was, uh, I was studying a text by Tsongkhapa, which is the, um, uh, the uh, lineage of the Dalai Lama. And Tsongkhapa was the founder of the kind of reform sect, the yellow hats of the, of the Tibetan school. And the text was Tsongkhapa wrote a text, and it was simply named, If you see dependent origination, you see emptiness. If you see dependent origination, you see emptiness. Okay? So suddenly, if you see this wheel for what it is, there is first the acknowledgement. I'm sorry to say that I wish I could say this is about oh, I'll, I'd be free right away. But the truth is, what you actually see when you're actually at that point, and you don't crave, you don't cling, you actually just simply sit, you know, without formulating anything, without leaning towards or not leaning away from it, but you just sit in the center of yourself. You're not going anywhere. There's nowhere to go. You, know, you can't know what it is. You can't know that there's something even holding you. If there is you. you know? 
And at that kind of juncture, then the first thing we recognize is, oh, the first noble truth. That because of this wheel, my first awareness, when I'm not caught up in it, is that, you know, it's suffering. I just keep doing the same things over again, and it causes me, you know, I can see it in a thousand different ways and try it in a thousand different means. It'd be nice. No, but the truth is then you really know that this is what the wheel's about, you know. And at that point when you recognize the truth of that first noble truth and you have seen kind of the the workings of the second, there is this truth, you know. And this truth simply says that, you know, the awareness itself, you know, uh, that that kind of knows, you know, that we have to surrender, we have to just trust, we have to have faith, and it's okay. You got to let go. You know, you have no choice. And you will come up against this again and again, but you will only find that, you know, you will understand it deeper, and you will have to surrender and let go even deeper. You know, and it's not about who you think you are, how it is. We're all conditioned creatures. You know, carrying, dragging this huge uh, monolith of beliefs and stories and, you know, karmic formations from our parents, from our uh, schools, from our systems, um, from our experiences. Why not? You're here. You know? Yeah, you'll recognize it. And then in these moments where, you know, there is uh, this contact between the sense door and uh, the consciousness itself or the awareness, you know, and there can be some releasing of what happens at these sense doors. They'll keep working. It's okay. You can soften. You know, since almost the mind, you know, kind of, I guess it kind of gives up. You know, says, I can't do this anymore. You know, I've had it. You know, you may have to do this many times, but I'm just speaking of it about right now. And then the awareness itself, you know, when it's unfettered. It's no longer in, you know, the, in the contact of uh, uh, arising and holding the sense door, but actually lets go of all six of the sense doors and just says, oh, there is that that knows, the awareness itself. You know, it's not two things. 
It just isness. You know? It sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? You know? It's not so far away. You're actually touching it a lot, a lot more, because you, you're so trained to jump back on the wheel. And what we're really trying to do here is first understand it and, and realize that that's what we keep doing over and over again. And that we begin to have the idea that there's some choosing that's going on. And the choosing is knowing because of the craving. And no, oops, that, I know that one. And that um, the kind of dualistic nature of it forever. It's gone on forever. It can go on forever. So give up. No. You give up this. And so then maybe some cop was right. Maybe just if we see, really see dependent origination, then we actually you know, maybe that's not such a great word. Emptiness. But, you know, it's a cognizant sense of this groundlessness of not knowing. You know, oh, you know, so it's not fabricating anything. It's not. It's just resting. bright, luminous, radiant. Nice words. But why not? You know so well this other, you will keep kind of playing this record over. So I would like to just end and read this my poem again, just clear path. The white heron, standing so still, dignity of posture. So like the yogis in our hall, knowing somehow to draw ourselves back, back into the center of the safety. Consumed solely by the center of our own flames. Burning of the old the old stories, wishes, fears, desires, your own voice calling to yourself, only heard by yourself. Back, back from the brink of the remembering to this place where the white heron stands, breath, breathing you, untouched by the shredded past, an uncomprehensible future, resting like the white heron, only the dignity of the posture remains. Blessed by the faculties of our senses, knowing somehow there is no other world And this, simply this. 
there is this small point, infinite point, where the worlds divide. One road leading back, back into the flames of becoming. This voice speaking too quickly, desperately searching through the crowded years where life's hopes, fears can be played in this game of winning and probably losing, grasping tightly, capturing, imprisoning, keeping it all of the time. And then there's the other path, old path, caught in the miracle of ordinariness, bewilderment, the price of the sand slipping through our fingers, bewilderment, the price of sand slipping through our fingers, knowing somehow that you have to surrender, you have to surrender leaving behind the hopes and the fears in this grasping, resting nowhere, resting nowhere, falling on your knees, knowing somehow that the heart knows its way from here on, knowing somehow that the heart knows its way from here on. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.